Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a Victory Monday here on the Valentine's News Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you're listening across the Big Blue View Radio Network, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, your New York Giants beat the Washington Commanders 14-7 to on Sunday. Might not have been the prettiest game in the world, but a victory is a victory. And here to help me discuss the game and, and all of its ramifications and twists and turns is Big Blue Views, Tony Del Genio. Morning, Tony. How are you? How are you today? Morning, Ed. I'm doing well. Thank you. So uh, we have a win to talk about. How about that? Yeah, nice for a change. Yeah, it is. It's like I it's been it's been a few weeks. It's like I I almost forgot how we talk about uh Giants victories here. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't think they'd be these uh, few and far between, but no, we, take but what we can get. Yes, this one, this one was nice. And Tony, we have to start with the topic of the day, which of course is Tyrod Taylor, Daniel Jones, and the Giants' quarterback situation. Tyrod Taylor played really well yesterday. I mean, the Giants didn't light up the scoreboard, but Taylor played well. Brian Dable intentionally or unintentionally did not slam the door on Tyrod Taylor starting more games for the Giants, which he had actually done a week ago when he said Daniel Jones was the starting quarterback. Just, we have to start with the question of the day, which is, should there be a question about who starts at quarterback for the Giants if Daniel Jones is healthy? I think that once he's healthy, he should start again. Jones, of course, right? Jones, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the and the reason for that is that I think the offensive line has taken steps since he last saw the field. I mean, the last two times we saw Daniel Jones, he was getting harassed mercilessly by opposing defensive lines and and the the off, Giants offensive line was just in complete meltdown mode against against Seattle and against Miami free rushers all over the place and so on and so forth uh, and obviously the offensive line has has improved they played fairly well against Buffalo and I thought they played overall quite well yesterday i mean i haven't i haven't seen the pff grades or anything like that and i know that that tyrod taylor still got sacked four times but um i didn't think that the offensive line played badly at all i mean he had some clean pockets to to work from and uh, and so on and so i think jones deserves a chance to start behind an offensive line that is starting to gel a little bit and especially if andrew thomas gets back next week i think that can that can mean a lot to the offensive line but i think the leash has to be somewhat short and i would say to me the leash is a couple of games um next week against the jets you've got a team with a pretty pretty fearsome pass rush and so i think the giants offensive line is going to be going to be you know hard pressed to give him uh uh, great protection and if you look at the jets they're they're tough at all three levels of the defense they've got two of the best linebackers in the league and obviously they've got a great secondary too especially the cornerbacks so that's a team that's going to be hard to score on no matter i think who's out there i mean if the if the whoever's at quarterback for the giants the giants put 20 points up next next weekend 
I'll be amazed uh, and thrilled, frankly, because I think the Jets have a really, really tough defense to to work against. But I think once you get past the Jets game, then you've got Las Vegas, which and granted, Las Vegas has Max Crosby, but they're not nearly as fearsome as as the Jets are on defense. And so if you get through those two games and you're still seeing the same Daniel Jones that we saw earlier in the season, then I think by the time the Giants travel to Dallas, then you have to make a switch. That would be my, that's my philosophy. I don't know if I agree on the, on the quote unquote length of the leash, but I do agree that when Daniel Jones is healthy, Jones has to be the starting quarterback. And I know that there were readers at big blue view. When I wrote the, the do the giants have a quarterback controversy piece on Sunday night, there were people who accused me of trolling and just stirring up trouble and all that kind of stuff. Well, my message to you folks is this. Have you noticed that that, that that post as of this morning had more than 500 comments on it? And just as an FYI, it's it's been read, downloaded, looked at more than twice as much as any other post at Big Blue View since the end of, of Sunday's game. So I win. <laughs> Whether I trolled you guys or not, I win because you all commented multiple times and a gazillion people read the piece. So I win. Whether you're whether you think I trolled you guys or not, I win. <laughs> so so take that. <laughs> now we know what to do when we write pieces. <laughs> you just you just write about the quarterback controversy. That's all you yeah, do. Sure. Just just yeah. write or create one. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but seriously, though, I mean, I think, you know, right. So so I think there are a, a couple of lessons to be learned from the last couple of weeks watching Taylor play. And I mean, one is something that that I think can't be taught. And that is that Tyra Taylor just has great escapability. And in one sense, he's the perfect quarterback for the type of offensive line that the Giants have been putting out there because if you're not going to give your quarterback consistent protection there, then you need someone who's going to be able to get away from, from the rush. And, and Tyra does that. I'd say as, I don't want to say as well as any quarterback in the league, but he does he, it well, but he does it. He does it well. He's, I would say he's, he's maybe top 10 in how well he, he manages to avoid pressure when he's back there because he's very quick. He senses the rush, knows how to move, knows how to, how to you know, move the pocket and so on and so forth. Uh, I thought that, that actually, I mean, people are going to going to talk about the deep passes and, and, and we'll get to that I'm sure in, in a minute, but, but I thought one of the best things he did yesterday was the touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley. And granted, that touchdown was mostly Barkley. It was just a short kind of dump off, uh, quick you know, release um, pass. And Barkley did all of the work and made several really nice moves to take that all the way to the end zone. But if you saw why Barkley had the ball in his hands, it was because Taylor got pressured and he stepped up, avoided the pressure. And you could see when he stepped, stepped up that he that he knew he had Barkley there. And so he avoided that pressure and, and gave himself just a little quick little toss to Barkley to get the ball to him. And so, you know, that's the type of awareness of the rush and and awareness of where your players are around you that I think Taylor does uh, an excellent job of. And so when Jones comes back, 
I think we have to see some of that awareness too. Now, maybe the protection will be getting better and they won't need that as much, but, but frankly, with the Cowboys coming up in a few weeks, uh, you know, with the Jets next week, uh, Giants are going to see pass rushes. <laughs> and so you do need a quarterback who's going to have to be able to, to escape the pass rush. And you want, I think we want to see Daniel Jones showing that same kind of, of awareness of things. And then the other side of that is that not just always dumping the ball off when you see a pass rush, but having the, the, the presence of mind to know that you've got somebody sometimes going deeper that you can get the ball out quick to. And, and that's another good thing that Tyrod has, has done. So I think Tyrod has showed us how you can be effective behind an offensive line like the Giants. And if Jones can't do something similar, then I think it, at some point it becomes wor worth making the change. Is, it, is Alicia shortest two games? I don't know, but that's about where I'd, I'd, I'd make it. Now, the way I would look at it is Tyrod Taylor has more escapability than Daniel Jones in tight spaces. Daniel Jones can get out of the pocket. He can run. He can make plays with his legs. But he doesn't have the what you might call the make people miss skill that, that Tyrod Taylor has maybe in a tight space. And the other thing Brian Dable mentioned last night that Tyrod Taylor did really well, especially on a couple of the deep balls, was hit his back foot and let the ball go. And, and we've seen, I think, partially because, as we've talked about before, Daniel Jones' internal clock has been messed up somewhat by by a lot of the things going on with the Giants offense that in some cases perhaps he's been hesitant to let the ball go but I do believe that Daniel Jones needs to be the quarterback when he's healthy because the reality of it is Tyrod Taylor is a 34 year old 13 year veteran He's not the future of the Giants. He's just not. He's not going to be the quarterback for the next three, four, five years. So, and we don't know for 100%, with 100% certainty that Daniel Jones is going to be that guy either. But the Giants gave Daniel Jones a four-year, $160 million contract. The first two years of that guaranteed they gave it to him as a sort of two-year prove-it window. And to me, Daniel Jones not playing when he's healthy would mean that the Giants have decided that they have to be in the quarterback market in the 2024 draft. And, and I think they might well be there. But I think, as you said, I think that Daniel Jones deserves the opportunity to get on the field play with an improving offensive line. And that offensive line we'll talk about later should have some reinforcements coming back. At least uh, those are the indications that we're getting. He deserves the opportunity to play with a healthy Saquon Barkley, you know, for a few weeks. Cause he had, you know, I know he had Barkley for the first couple of games, but he did play without Barkley for, for roughly three weeks. I think he deserves the opportunity to play with that. And I will also say this. I think when I look at the way the Giants played football the last two weeks, I think they've had a better offensive plan, whether it's Barkley's presence or not, and I think it has a lot to do with it. They have stuck with the run even when it hasn't worked. They've created a lot of 
quick throws. Shoot, even some of the deep throws have been, you know, catch it, hit your back foot, and get rid of it. Haven't been, you know, three reads. It's been catch it and 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 send it down the field to Jalen Hyatt. I think Daniel Jones deserves that opportunity. And I think the Giants franchise needs to give him that opportunity because you need to fairly look at whether you need to be in the in the quarterback market in the 2024 NFL draft. And I think I think what happens, to be honest with you, is as you said, even last week against Buffalo, Tyrod Taylor showed some good things. Now let's be real. The Giants have still only scored 23 points in two weeks with Taylor's under Taylor's direction. They had three and out after three and out after three and out after going up 14 to nothing, especially through the second half yesterday. So it's not like Tyrod is lighting things up. He showed a path for a way that 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 quarterback can be played. But what I think is that if you see regression in the quarterback play, once you get Daniel Jones back in the lineup, if you see more dysfunction, if you see an increase in the number of sacks, if you see no deep balls, no explosive plays, then I think to me, that's when you have your answer as to whether or not the Giants need to be in the 2024 NFL draft looking for a quarterback. Yeah, and that, and that's why I, I feel that, you know, I think the Las Vegas game sandwiched in between the Jets games and the, and the Cowboy game uh, is, a, is, is a good place to kind of at least start making that decision. I mean, uh, obviously the, uh, the Raiders have Max Crosby, who's, a, who's, who's great, okay, uh, but – but overall, that's a that's a defense that is, I believe, susceptible uh, to quarterbacks putting up putting up good numbers. And I think the one of the things that you haven't seen from Jones that I think concerns a, a lot of people is the anticipation. And you were talking about hitting your back foot and then and then releasing the pass. Uh, you you have to release the pass a lot of the time before your man has gotten past his defensive back. Uh, and, and if you, you know, if you, if you, if your internal clock kind of interrupts you and, 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 and says, well, he's not open yet. You have to say, yeah, but that's Jalen Hyatt and he's got a head of steam. And even though he hasn't beaten his guy yet in one second, he will have beaten his guy. So you got to get the ball out there now because you, you trust that he's going to get past his man. Uh, and, and the other thing that you see, you see, you know, San Francisco do so much, for example, with, with Brock Purdy is they, they send guys out on these intermediate routes and Brock and Brock Purdy releases the pass before the guy has even made his cut, like on a, on a crosser or something like that. Purdy's getting the ball out before the receiver has even made his break, just trusting that the receiver, that the play design is such that the receiver is going to get open as soon as he he makes that, you know, the one kind of fake inside uh, outside and then and then and then cuts inside on the crosser. And so Purdy's delivering the ball to a place where the receiver is nowhere near yet and doesn't look like he's even going going to be there when he does it. Those are the types of throws. So it's not just a matter of of. Uh, you know the points you put up and the and the yardage you put, put up. Obviously, those things matter too. But you want to see the types of throws that he's making and see ev- see evidence that that he's able to do that kind of thing. Because if you're going to 
still be paying the third and fourth years of his contract, then I think those are the types of things that that you have to see. You're not always going to put lots of points up on on the board against great defenses, but you have to see that the quarterback is is kind of doing as much as you can expect a quarterback to do. So I think that's that's the eye that's going to be on Daniel Jones when he comes back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tony, let's move away from Jones and talk about some other things here as we as we review the Giants' victory over, over Washington on Sunday. I want to mention the fact that Pat Leonard reported Sunday morning that, that Brian Dable spent more time, more or less taking over the the coaching of the offense during the week leading up to uh, leading up to the Washington game a lot of eyeballs on Dable after that report a lot of eyeballs on him when the game started as to whether he was calling plays or not which he said he wouldn't do and he was not calling plays we could pretty clearly see that he was not calling the plays but I did think it was interesting and I do think it's worth talking about that he took a bigger role in the offense and the, what I will say about that is I absolutely love it because I love the CEO head coach. All right. I love the guy that's not calling plays during a game, you know, that has an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator that he trusts. But Brian Dable's background is offense. He's an offensive coach. He has Wink Martindale to run the defense. He doesn't need to spend I mean, he cannot. He obviously needs to spend some time with Wink figuring out what the plan's going to be on defense. But for him to to make the decision to devote most of his time to offense, I think is justified, and I think can only help that offense going forward. Yeah, I don't have a problem doing that. I mean, when you're in charge, you can't just kind of stand there on your lofty perch, kind of away from it all, and watch. Rome burn <laughs> under, pretty much under, right under underneath you right at some point you have you have to say okay look I've, I've got to do something right and you know what it is exactly you know that he was doing that that wasn't being done before you know who knows uh, uh they said he was working with the offensive line too and I think you know I think any the reaction of any Giants fan to hearing that he was he was also working closely with the offensive line is hey We'll, we'll bring anybody in, you know, I, I, I said, I said on, on Twitter uh, last week after uh, Tyree Phillips, who looked pretty good, by the way, at, at right tackle yesterday, as far as I could tell anyway, uh, for a guy ju- just coming in uh, off the street, so to speak. But Tyree Phillips, of course, just spent six weeks with the Eagles on their practice squad and, and actually made a, a note when he came back about how much he learned in those six weeks that he was there with, with Jeff Statland, who's 
who's famous as a, as a, as a great offensive line coach. And he certainly has the results to, uh, to prove it in, in Philadelphia. And my reaction, when I heard that Tyree Phillips had learned so much in his six weeks there, I said, can, can we send Evan Neal to Philadelphia for six weeks? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if that's a backhanded slap at Bobby Johnson or not, but I did note that as well. And, and the offensive line, you know, as we said, the offensive line played better. I thought Tyree Phillips did okay. I found it interesting that the Giants flip-flopped guards on Sunday and put Mark Glowinski back at his natural right guard spot, put Marcus McKethan, the young player, next to Justin Pugh. I don't know what Pugh's PFF grade was. I know he gave up at least one sack. I think he had a holding penalty, you know, at a... He he didn't have a fantastic day, but but I think his presence and his leadership helps that offensive line. And I think that when Andrew Thomas is healthy, he goes inside the left guard where he belongs. But I did think Sunday and even against Buffalo, I thought some progress had been made on that offensive line. As for Dayball, I think it's just – if he wants to make sure things are being taught a certain way and if he wants to make sure a certain message is being delivered and he wants to deliver it himself, good for him. You know, he's he is the head coach. And as you said, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to jump into the fray. So I'm good with that. But offensive line wise, there were there have been some rumblings that Andrew Thomas might be back for the Jets game. I would assume Evan Neal is going to be ready to play. And like we've talked about with the Jones-Taylor debate, we can debate Neal versus Phillips. But the reality of it is the Giants have to play Evan Neal, whether it's, you know, whether they whether they ultimately move him inside the guard or not. I don't think they've made a full determination yet as to whether they think he can play right tackle. So I think they need to put him out there. And let it play out. And, and the other piece of good news, maybe not for Ben Bredesen, but the other piece of good news is there were some rumblings that that John Michael Schmitz is getting closer to returning. So, so I think the the offensive line is is rounding into, if not dominant form, because that's you know let, let's not go there. They're rounding into at least functional form, which which is a good thing. Yeah, and and you know this is the problem with with young teams, and the Giants are, I think, the youngest or second youngest team in the NFL right now. Is that it? Sometimes it takes a while. I mean, and the injuries obviously have been just an awful thing. And and there's, I mean, there's, there's nothing else you can you can. Yeah, we can't. We we, we absolutely cannot downplay. And I think people, because he's been out for so long, people are forgetting. We can't downplay how great a player Andrew Thomas is right. and how much that his absence has impacted that offensive line. I was sitting next to Patty Trena of, of Giants Country in the press box last night, and I said, you know, the reality of it is if Andrew Thomas is over there at left tackle, every single week the Giants can plant Daniel Bellinger next to Evan Neal can slide their protection to Evan Neal, can help Evan Neal and Marcus McKethan on that side if McKethan's over there. They can't do that 
with Josh Azudu or Matt Parrott or Justin Pugh playing left tackle because they have to help both guys. And, yeah. and it makes a huge, huge difference. And and I think that that you forget how good he is just because it's been a while now since we've seen him. Yeah, with with him there, you you more or less assume that you're not going to see pressure from that side of the line, and and maybe you know he'll give up he'll give up a pressure to during a game, uh, even he gives up a say an occasional sack, but most of the time he's been rock solid there, and so uh, you know I I think that that it's it's just unfortunate that that this team being so young and having had so many injuries and having such a tough early schedule uh, all of those things have conspired to make things really difficult for them they certainly haven't played well but i think they haven't been in a position that really would enable them to play well under under the circumstances that they've that they've had to face and and that's too bad a veteran team maybe can weather something like that or a, an opening schedule with a you know, with a few uh, easier marks, you you can uh, weather something like that. Sometimes teams that look like they're going to be excellent teams going into the season turn out not to be very good teams. But I think this year, the teams that were expected to be good are mostly the teams that that are good. And uh, some might even be better. Dallas might be better than I thought that they were uh, going to be. San Francisco, certainly every bit as good and so on. Uh, and so, you know, you everything was stacked against the giants i think to 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 make a decent start and unfortunately you you know you get to this point in the season and you're already on the verge of 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 falling out of out of relevance as far as competing for a playoff berth it turns out with one victory yesterday so many other teams mediocre teams lost yesterday that the giants are actually not far out of a playoff berth i think they're like one and a half games out of out of a playoff berth and so you know, it's 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 not out of the question for them to get things together over the next uh, six weeks and and actually get into the playoff hunt again. Uh, you know, but I think the the larger question that that you know that you're alluding to is this season they have some big decisions to make on players, and 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 Jones is obviously the number one decision. But they but they've got to they got to figure out whether they want to bring Barkley back uh, for another year. Uh, they've got to figure out where they need to shore things up. Is is JMS going to be an, an NFL caliber center or not? Can Evan Neal become an NFL caliber tackle? They've got to answer all of those questions this year to have some idea of of what they're looking for going into into the next offseason. And so you 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 can't you can't chase the playoff berth too hard uh, because you're, you're not a team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year. And, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to look like you're just tanking either. And right. I think there's a, there's a line they have to, they have to walk in between those two extremes. Right. To your point, I think the stat that I saw is by snaps played. And I don't know what actual, roster age is if you looked at all 53 players but by snaps played before the week seven game only the Packers had played a younger roster than the Giants and 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 I remind people you know a few days ago at Big Blue View I wrote a piece called building not built that it is still as you're saying Tony it is still about the future for the Giants I think since their seven and two start at the beginning of last season, I think, and I'd have to look it up exactly. I think they are now five, 11 and one, something like that, or five, 12 and one. 
So, and that might be more representative. Maybe they're somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. But, but I think also when you're talking, when you mentioned playoffs and, and, and let's, you know, I still think that's, that's kind of a pipe dream, but the reminder is the giants made the playoffs a year ago. And there was a stretch in the middle of the season where they went six games without a win. The best they came up with during that stretch was a tie. So it can happen. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it will happen. I know somebody who did say it was going to happen, but, but I, I, I'm not going there, but, but you want to see the giants play better. You want to see them get answers to some of the questions that they have on both sides of the ball because they are still building toward what they want to be. What they want to be is a team that's that's got a roster like Philadelphia does, a team that's got a roster like Kansas City does, a team that that is as dominant as the 49ers are, and they're not there yet. They're trying to build toward that, and they have questions to answer to get there. So let's hope they play better and let's hope they get that they're healthy enough to get real answers to some of those questions here over the final 10 games. Yeah. And, and unfortunately the majority of their questions are on offense. Uh, I, I won't say that the defense is, is championship caliber yet, but the defense is coming along. And, you know, I feel that the giants defense is, is now at least good enough to put them in position to win uh, most games. Maybe, maybe not against the Miamis and the, the Philadelphias and San Francisco's, but, but against most teams, I think that defense is now in a position where, where they've got some nice young players uh, at, at, at all levels of the, of the ball and, and, and a couple of good veterans too, right? That, that I feel good every week when I see the defense take the field because I feel like they've got a decent chance of, of getting the ball back. Uh, to the offense, I you know I don't have that feel yet for the offense, and I don't know where the where the kind of go to players on that offense uh, will be. Obviously, Andrew Thomas is is, is a go to player. Uh, Darren Waller, who who finally had the first his first really good game, I think, as a Giant yesterday, is one of those players. And Barkley is a good player. I mean, a, a great player, fumble notwithstanding. Barkley almost never fumbles, and so that's just a an unfortunate thing, but, but you've got a few players like that on offense, but, but only a few, everybody else is, is young. And, um, you know, you're just waiting for, for a couple of these people to, to, to gel and uh, on, on offense so that it actually starts becoming effective because as, as good as the offense looked yesterday, as you alluded to at the beginning, they still only put 14 points on the board and they didn't do anything in the second half. Uh, granted, they would have had a, they would have had a score if, uh, of some kind if Barkley hadn't fumbled, but, but mostly they let Washington dictate the second half. Washington some changed some things at halftime. They started max protecting, uh, you know, you know, bringing in an extra tackle or, or three tight ends or whatever. They started rolling Sam Howell out. And that all of that seemed to kind of nullify the Giants' pass rush in the second half. And Howell had a lot more time to, to get business done. And so the Giants had to counter that with some long drives of their own. And really, other than that one drive in the fourth quarter that ended with a fumble, 
the the offense kind of did nothing in that third quarter, especially when they had a chance to to really put away the game. I mean, you go you go up twenty one to seven, and and you're in you're in pretty good shape. And they they never were able to get that third score. No, they weren't. Tony, let's uh, before we talk about the defense a little bit more. I just want to mention one decision the Giants made that that has kind of turned into an absolute mess and. I think one answer that we that we've gotten so far this year is that the Giants don't have a punt returner. They don't have a clue how to catch a punt. They don't they've made a complete and utter mess out of that situation. And uh I, I don't know, you know, maybe the maybe the idea is that they should just not put a punt returner back there. Just just rush eleven guys and let the ball bounce. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I think You've you've seen the the two extremes in how you develop a a special teams unit in, with the Giants most the two most reach, recent coaching staffs. I mean, under Joe Judge, you had this tremendous emphasis on special teams to the extent that he always wanted to have a guy on the roster, Nate Ebner, who was really not good for anything except except in coverage on on special teams and 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 that was that was it. He was a useless player otherwise. Uh, and now you go to this staff and this staff seems kind of be to be determined to not use special teams as a as a guideline to who's going to make the roster at all. And you just say, well, we'll find somebody out of the 53 and put him back there and, and hopefully he'll he'll be the guy. And so I think there's a there's got to be a happy medium somewhere where you can find a player that's actually, you know, useful on offense or defense, whichever, but but is good on special teams as well. And they sure haven't found that person yet. Well, you know, the the shame of it is, you know, and I understand why he didn't make the roster. But the shame of it is the guy who could be handling that job for the Giants was was wearing a Washington uniform yesterday and returning punts for the Commanders, and he's good at it. He's really good at it. He did technically have a muff right on the sideline yesterday, but Jamison Crowder did a good job returning punts, had a 17-yard return, has a 61-yard return this year. And I get it because the Giants are young. They're developing, you know, Crowder's near the end of his career, but it sure would be comforting to have a guy back there who knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and you could, you could hear on TV yesterday, even just watching the game by, by the time, uh, the game was over every time Washington punted to the Giants. The, the, the punt well, went into the end zone for a touchback in the crowd. Well, I, 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 I had to, I had to laugh because the Giants put Darius Slayton back there, and you probably didn't see this on television, but we could see it on we could see it from the press box. Slayton went back there, and it was a hundred percent clear that his instructions were fair catch the football. Because he goes out on the field and he's looking at the official before the ball's even punted. And he's going like this, like this. The fair catch <laughs> signal is like this, right? He's like telling the official he's going to do, he's going to fair catch the ball and making sure he's got the signal right. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's not even 100% sure how to make the fair make catch it. sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so, so that's the state of the Giants punt return game. But and Let's it's got to be, be terrifying, I have to imagine, as a football player. I mean, you know, returning a punt, 
or not returning a punt, but just catching a punt, it strikes me Very... as, a, as a pretty difficult skill because I mean you you, know, you have this thing that, that's way up in the air and you know you've got eleven guys bearing down. <laughs> you try to well, it's <laughs> I I tell people all the time, and I talk to guys that have returned all the time. It is much different and much more difficult than catching and returning a kickoff because a kickoff is almost always end over end and a pretty easy catch. You know exactly how it's going to come to you. And you've got, when you catch it, you've got 20 or 25 yards between you and the defensive players. When you catch a punt, you're dealing with the wind. You're dealing with a ball that's, that's twisting and turning and it's not coming in over end. It might be coming sideways. It's coming with a funny twist on it. It spins differently based on whether it's a left footed punter or a right footed punter, or whether it's a rugby style punt or a regular punt. And you've got, you might be pinned to the sideline. Plus you've got to look at all these guys running down at you. You've got to look at guys who are determined to break you in half. And, and who might be standing, you know, one step in front of you when you catch the ball. It is a much different skill that takes courage and practice. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize Sterling Shepard at all. Yeah. I think, they, you know, they're put in an impossible situation there. Mm-hmm. They're players who, I mean, you have two veteran players out there in, in Shepard and Slayton who haven't done this before and all of a sudden they're being asked to do it, whether they practiced it during the week, I don't know, but, you know, but, but after all these years in the league to, to actually suddenly be, be returning a punt in a real game, uh, that's a, that's a lot to ask of people. And so, I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's, I think we scratch our heads at a couple of the personal personnel decisions that, I want to say Joe Shane has made, but let's say Joe Shane and Brian Dable, because Dable must have input into, into, into some of these decisions. But, but the punt returner uh, question was, was one thing, you know, and uh, uh, you just, you just don't, don't get, and, and the, and the Tyree Phillips situation. Right. The backup right, on the it, offensive line is something it, we've talked about a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is the other thing. And you're just wondering what, in, what went into those decisions and, and uh, are they rethinking not just the particular players, but are they rethinking their strategy now for how they how they fill out a 53 man roster? Yeah, I think they made a couple of mistakes in those areas. But, you know, I think we've we've talked about the offensive line backups a lot. So let's let's move on before we wrap it up, Tony. We we haven't really talked a whole lot. I know you talked about the defense a little bit, but let's talk about that defense 14 points given up to the Buffalo Bills, seven points given up yesterday to Washington, held Washington to, I think, one of 15 or one of 16 on third down. When the game seemed to be getting away from the Giants that in the second half, the defense made stop after stop and, and you know, just, just played – Really, really well. I know there were questions earlier in the season, but as you said, you know, you're integrating some young players, you're integrating a new, you know, highly paid free agent linebacker, you know, who's actually learned, who's actually playing the mic instead of playing, um, it, you know, which he did not play 
in Indianapolis. So, so a lot of new things for Bobby Okereke. A lot of good signs from the defense the last two weeks. I want to talk about two players, you know, and obviously we could talk all day about Dexter Lawrence and how dominant he was. I think he had something to do with every single sack yesterday. He just, he, he, he made Nick Gates look terrible and, you know, and, and for, for all of you giants fans out there who really wanted Nick Gates to be a giant, um, that was Nick Gates who, uh, who, you know, Dexter Lawrence was ragdolling most of the day on Sunday. So, so maybe Gates was not the answer to all of your offensive line prayers. But Tony, two guys I really want to talk about, Tay Banks and Kayvon Thibodeau. Tay Banks, first round pick, guy the Giants traded up for. He's been solid, not spectacular. The first six games, I thought Sunday he was spectacular. The, the interception that he made was a veteran play dropping off dropping off his responsibility to jump in the passing lane and make that play couple of huge tackles in space you know to, to prevent first downs including the one that led to Leonard Williams blocked field goal uh, I think Tay banks is really really beginning to come into his own as an NFL player yeah and I think you know and I don't even <clears throat> I'm not even sure that I think that yesterday was his best game. I mean, he gave up, he gave up a few completions to Terry McLaurin, but Terry McLaurin to me is one of the premier receivers in, in the NFL. So I don't think there's any embarrassment in doing that. And he was obviously the guy that they were trying to feature. I mean, Jahan Dotson hasn't, hasn't turned in yet turned into, I think the, 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 the kind of stud number two receiver that, that Washington is, has been looking for him to, to be. I and mean, right now, right now, Curtis Samuel seems to be a more effective receiver than, than Dotson does. But McLaurin to me is, is, I don't want to say he's up there with the Tyreek Hills. I don't think he's quite at that level, but let's put it this way. He's a guy who, who I think I would love to have as a, as a Giants receiver. Okay. So, uh, uh, so he had a tough assignment. And the thing about Deontay Banks is that he's getting the other team's toughest assignment most weeks to play. And, 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 and it's, you know, he's not always guarding the, uh, uh defending the same guy. Uh, but, but he's playing some of the best receivers. In Absolutely. The and, and he's there and he's, and he's contesting things and fighting things. And so that's the thing, you know, you don't, you don't see him kind of out in the middle of nowhere while the receivers zipping by him. And, and I really like what, what I see from him. And I increasingly believe that that was a really good draft pick and a really good use of a trade up by Joe Shane. Yeah, he's competitive. He's physical. I haven't seen a major mistake from him yet this year, which I think you alluded to and, and, and I've talked to him enough to know he's a good kid. He's 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 got his head on his shoulders the right way. And he 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 told us last night. I asked him last night in the locker room if he got the ball from his interception because I still have to kid Dane Belton from a year ago because Belton on his very first play as an NFL player recovered a fumble on a kickoff. And I asked Belton what he had done with the ball. Belton told me he was so excited that he went to celebrate and he never got the ball. <laughs> he forgot all about getting the ball. 
So so he never got the ball from his first NFL turnover. Tay Banks got the ball and gave it to his mother. So he said, why wouldn't you give it to your mother? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So so good for him. He gave the ball to his mother and 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 was happy to tell us that he had done so. He's a good kid um, and a good player. And as you said, increasingly looks like a a really good draft pick by the Giants in, in the first round. The other guy I have to talk about is Kayvon Thibodeau because we criticize him so much. And now uh, advice to Kayvon, get on the jugs machine for about five hours, will you please? <laughs> get on the jugs machine and learn how to catch, will you please? <laughs> but, but you know, that was a game-changing as I wrote last night, if he makes that catch, he returns that for a touchdown. He saves everybody a lot of fourth quarter aggravation. You know, we can all we can all write our game stories by the end of the third quarter, and and uh, you know instead of having to wait until the final two minutes of the game. But have to point out that for all of the criticism of not being an impact player, for all of the 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 Kayvon Thibodeau is a bust nonsensical talk that's been out there. Kayvon Thibodeau's on on pace now for 13 and a half sacks this season. Yeah, I so, think he's in the top 10 in the NFL right now. He's got you five know. and a half yeah. on pace for more than 13. And I think everyone would have signed up for that this year. So whether he's getting enough opportunities, I do think, I do think the Giants have adjusted some of their defensive schemes the last couple of weeks. I do think, and I'd have to look at the advanced numbers to, to verify it. I do think Kayvon is going forward now at a greater percentage than he was going forward early in the season. And he's making an impact. He's making plays. I think any, everybody would have signed up for a 13 sack season from Kayvon. So, so credit to the kid because, because he is making plays. Yeah, and obviously that was, you know, a big a big part of the game yesterday was was the Giants' pass rush and and as you mentioned, you know, early on Dexter Lawrence was wreaking havoc as as always and and as you said, tossing Nick Gates around like a, a rag doll and that's obviously a, I think a big part of things. But what you had yesterday is that it wasn't just Dexter Lawrence; it was Kayvon Thibodeau. Leonard Williams had a really good game. Uh, you know, yesterday, and so uh, I thought. Even I thought even Jihad Ward was playing well on the other side yesterday, and that's naturally the, the Giants' weakness. Tony, it, praise for Jihad Ward. Yeah, oh right. my goodness! No, I don't usually do. Wink that. Martindale's Wink Martindale's <laughs> favorite. <laughs> I know, right? and uh, you know, and so, and I think that's the thing when you have multiple guys on the line that are are creating pressure, then then everything becomes. Uh, so much more effective. And so if you, you know, if you, if you at least have Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence uh, doing it, then you really increase your, your chances a lot. It, they still need somebody on the other side of that line at the other edge position. And they've got to, they've got to deal with that in the off season. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, Thibodeau, I think because of his, his personality takes a little bit of a bum, bum rap. Um, but, Overall, I think he's a really good player and a better player than many people give him give him credit for. And you know, yesterday I thought he certainly played very well, and I think he's had several several you know good game, really good games recently. 
Absolutely. Tony, I, I think, uh, I think that's a good place for us to, to wrap it up. Just let me, you know, before we go, let me ask you if there's anything that, that you wanted to talk about or wanted to mention, you know, that, that we haven't hit yet. Uh, the, the only thing that I would, I would say is that, is that w what we need to see? I mean, and, and you can kind of read this into some of the things that we were saying earlier is that, is that what we haven't seen yet from the Giants is a 60 minute game where the offense just kind of methodically wears down an opponent and, and gradually takes over the game. I thought yesterday was going to be that game that it looked that way in, in the first half. And, and I, I said, yeah, maybe, well, maybe we're finally going to have a, a Washington game. that doesn't come down to the last minute the way they always seem to do because in the first half, I thought the offense really looked impressive. And then after Washington made adjustments in, in the second half, uh, it just, it just wasn't that, that way anymore. And, and this is, I think, what we still need to see from the Giants at some point in the season, a, a game where they just kind of progressively go through and 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 not necessarily dominate the game on offense, but just kind of show that the offense is functional and dangerous throughout the game. Right. We, got, we got 30 minutes of it. I mean, we didn't see that at all in the Buffalo game, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Anyway, they moved the ball a little bit, but that was it. I thought we were going to get that yesterday and then all of a sudden it fell apart in the, in the second half. So, you know, going, and I don't think next week is the week to expect that either, because as I say, I think the jets have a really good defense and it's difficult to, to find ways to exploit that defense. That's but, going to be, uh, that's going to be a struggle, whether it's yeah. Jones or Taylor, that's, and, and no matter who's on the offensive line, that's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Probably um, a low scoring game. Yep. But one of these weeks, I'd, I'd like to see the Giants put, say, 28 points on the board and with, you know, 14 points in the first half and 14 points in the second half and win a game 28 to 10 or something like that. I don't care who it's against, but just for once, I'd like to, to what see. Team do you like think you're, what team do you think you're watching, Tony? <laughs> I know. I know I'm, I'm asking for a lot. <laughs> I know. Jeez. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Tony, thank you as always for your time. Everybody, please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.